that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Para-X Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, and the dynamic duel is together again with Andrea Vinmus and Jason. Chaos. There you go. That's how it rolls. So it's good to have you here with me again, my man, because we only get to do this once every four weeks now. I know, that's right, but I've been hearing good things about most of the shows, although I heard the guest last week fell asleep on the show or something. Similar. That's not but, true. I know, it's not true. I was just <laughs> exaggerating, man. You know, although, exaggerating. I, 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 I did have to give Zach a ribbon on the air because five minutes, at the, at the five minutes to the end marker, he goes, well... Glad we had you on the show, really. And I was like, what are you doing, man? He goes, what? And I said, you can't just end the show five minutes early. Really? (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. Fun times. Fun times indeed, my friend. Fun times. Tell you the truth. I'm loving it. Um, We'll have Jim Jim again next week. But the mix of everybody, from, from Jim to Stephanie to Zach, is... Very different perspectives. They're pulling in very interesting guests that we probably would not have had on the show otherwise. Um, it's it's really making things interesting in a good way. And I don't. I can still go to grad school. So there you go. Yes. So interesting enough in the shows that we're doing together, we do have some interesting people coming up. We uh, certainly have um, Dave Lee. We're going to have uh, me and. Zach might do that because it's about energy work, but we've also been talking to Jason Newcomb, who does a lot of interesting hermetic stuff, and um, there's a lot of people we're thinking of uh, bringing back on the show uh, that uh, we had a good relationship with. Maybe you might be surprised. So we'll just leave it at that. You'll be surprised in a good way. We're uh, That's right. That's it, right. It, may, it may not even be people that you'd expect. That's right. That's right. That is right. One of the best things that I, I have to say in the recent, most recent show, if you didn't listen, was the 
the People Show, the Do Magic Show. Uh, DoMagic.com is a continuously running event where we challenge people with magical challenge and have you do the magic for 30 days continuously while blogging about it to inspire other people or video blogging, audio blogging, or any other combination therein uh, to really inspire people to do the magic instead of just puff their chest out and write books or whatever and not do the magic but sell people goods and services on that. Instead, we're taking a different tact and actually strongly and everyone in the group that I can say this honestly really help each other out to try to do the magic because 30 days is enough for you to transform your life. And it is. As, it is. as I've been telling you at the beginning of every show for weeks now, remember to go check that out at domagicwithak.com and remember you can begin the beginner's mind challenge anytime in the month of September. That is correct. In fact, I haven't even started yet, and that's a whole nother long topic that we could spend hours about why, but I will start sooner or later. In fact, me and Zach spent hours today working out what we were going to do for our Do Magic Challenge, so obviously if the founders of the Do Magic Challenge haven't started yet, we mean it, you really could start anytime in September. Well, there you go. Now, something that I know you're probably too humble to bring up, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, I want everybody to check out AndreaVenomous.com forward slash conjure because once again, if you missed it last time, even if you went last time, I think you ought to check out this series. The Cleveland Conjure series is kicking off again at the Spirit Apothecary in Bedford, Ohio. And actually, he did the first class, what, last night? Cleansing via herbal baths? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, we did. It was a okay. great, it was a great class. We had a few people there, and we got into it and started mixing the herbs and getting it to work and doing the magic in class, not just giving a lecture about recipes, but we are actually doing the magic outright, right there in the class. It was, and it's a fun time. It was a fun time all by everyone, and there's something to be said for actually doing the magic in a workshop as opposed to just kind of talking about it and learning about it. We actually did it and we're going to do it, the magic in the class for each one of the, the series. And the series goes on from the first one was obviously two days ago. And then, well, the next one's coming up on the 23rd and that's protection via candle magic. And I got to tell you people, this man will teach you things about candle magic that no popular book and no little internet blog is going to tell you. He's going to make that magic come alive. He's really going to show you how to put real power into your candle spells. Yeah, I, and I, I have some tricks. I like fire magic a whole lot. A lot. Way too much, actually, probably. Let's just say we've had a couple of hairy encounters over the years. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's probably a good way to put it. But they worked. That's the yeah, the spells definitely work, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's leave it at that, shall we? Sometimes the fire gets a little bit too big. Uh, you, you know what? It isn't. The problem isn't usually the fire gets too big. Usually, we're pretty good about controlling that. It gets too hot, supernaturally hot. 
mm-hmm. and then we get in trouble. We don't get burned or anything, but weird stuff happens. Uh, and then to go through the Conjure class, there's a Prosperity where we're going to work with Oil Lamps, which is a second fire class. You can basically tell. I love it. It's October 7th. Right. And we'll use sweeteners for love, but I won't just cover love. I will cover love, finances, jobs, all kinds of great stuff. That'll be November 4th, 4th, right? And then we end a series right before Thanksgiving with on 11-18, which we're going to show you how to do various flavors of Dow magic. And because it's pointless to talk about healing somebody without talking about hurting someone because the exact same skills are used and we'll talk about that all these classes are basically really going to the traditional conjure way of doing things but also talk about things in a more modern context uh, using the tools and the techniques from hands-on chaos magic and in fact some of the secret stuff from the shapeshifting class to really help people understand and get their magic to work and sing and just do what it's supposed to do because if you're not getting results well what is the point right Uh, so i'll make sure everyone gets results and go the extra mile so that that happens Mm -mm -mm. so yes definitely andreavenomous.com forward slash conjure um, you can also, uh, well, actually, what's the, they should contact Spirit Apothecary, 440-439-4372. They should pre-register for these, right? Yeah, you, you don't have to pre-register for anyone but the last class. And the only reason I want people to pre-register for the last class is basically because I'm going to send out uh, patterns for the dolls and basically tell you to kind of, cut them out and do half the work before the class so that way we we can make it fit in two hours and actually do the magic because mm. sewing the dolls actually takes a lot of time cutting them out doing all the craft stuff actually takes an enormous amount of time that's and true can't cover the magic and cover all that stuff in two hours and i don't want to make the store owner too mad at me right no of course not so that's the only reason. Everything else you could drop in, although I would love if we prerequisite so I know how many supplies to bring. And they are fantastic. Of course, you have to come to the Cleveland area. And if you tell me ahead of time you're coming to the Cleveland area and you're from out of town, you never know. I might do something special with you, give you a couple hours of my time. So there's incentive for people right there to come to a class. We'll go get some salads because that's what i eat now right jason uh salads and uh chick grilled chicken you can have a burrito or yeah. whatever you want and he's uh, he's trying to what you you probably are being careful you with the caffeine right now aren't you no no because no I'm not so much grad, i'm in grad school and i'm working full time and yeah let's just say the caffeine i'm not cutting that back right now fair enough but I am eating mostly salads, and I've done really great, as you know, from the last time you saw me on your weight loss plan. He's done awesome. He's yeah. every time it's it's like you want to you want to play that Rocky music like he did back for one of our shows. Da 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 da. And if you're wondering how did I do it, because I I do have some some actual metabolism issues and some other issues, is uh, I've been doing a lot of qigong. And using the various techniques from my shapeshifting course 
on myself to decondition all these things and build up enough energy and tolerate basically a 1500 calorie day diet and be able to go to grad school and do all this stuff. And it's been going really well with the Qigong and the shape-shifting techniques. It's not as fast as maybe I would like, but then again, I'm not that patient and it is pretty miraculous. So I'm using my own dog food as we're eating it to prove the stuff works in multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And speaking of salads and food and the power of food in ritual, let's bring on our guest tonight. And tonight, we're happy to have a, a guest who I had the pleasure of meeting many, many years ago when I was doing far, far many more conventions than I do currently. So we'd like to welcome Lil Dorothy to the show. We're gonna, today, we're going to talk about an issue that... Uh, is actually really close to my heart lately is is the use of food for ritual and you know use of food to pull energies into yourself and she she has an unbelievably good set of YouTube videos on how to do made that's not done yet on how to do major arcana and use food for the different arcana and pull those energies through the use of food into your life and with that we would jason do you have any praise to say for lilith today too because well, i know you I, have even more information yes you definitely go to youtube put her name in and get that series of her videos because they're they're really cool i was checking them out earlier today um i know she has experience in various magical traditions celtic afro-caribbean and native american spirituality so and Her she's also are... a she's also I think a member of the Voodoo Spiritual Temple in New Orleans, and she learned from Miriam and and hangs out with Louis all the time, and all these people we know and love. Louis Martinet, so, somebody yeah, that yeah. we care about deeply. Nice guy. Yes, yes, me too. I do, I do. So that about a good intro, and, and plus that you do lots of Voodoo stuff. I know. I had to bring <laughs> and lots so. of Voodoo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Various. Yeah, yeah. No, things. that was a great intro. Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think everyone in New York City knows Lilith as, as the Voodoo person, as one of them, uh, one of the big ones. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I actually think that that may be true. You know, they just asked me to do the closing ritual for New York City Pagan Pride. So uh, nice. I'm like, oh, if they don't know me now, they'll know me after that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go, right? See, there you go, right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I've been around a while. Yes, yes. So, yeah, and it's so nice to be on the show after, again, you know, I've known you for years, so it's nice to be able to have a chance to talk about this kind of stuff. And oh, yeah. It's something I'm really, really passionate about, you know, like, I just love food. I think it's, it's my first love, definitely. That was, a, that was one of the big problems for many years, is I love food a little too much. <laughs> so now yes, I'm, work, I'm working on that, that so <laughs> but you have a lot of uh, they they come from traditions and different New Orleans um, recipes in, in one of the African American ritual cookbook and I kind of I kind of see that book as almost leading into what you're trying to do with the tarot and uh, the uh, 
YouTube tarot and food videos. Now I'm going to throw in there that I found that book to be incredibly practical. It's, it's it's not a large book, but it's a book that has things that you can really use. Yeah, I really wanted to give like a little bit of everything in there. You know what I mean? I wanted to have things that were traditional, like Southern folk recipes, things that were also, you know, classics for New Orleans, like red beans and rice. You know, it was just Marie Laveau's birthday, so we've got the red beans and rice in there and stuff like that, and the Marie Laveau bread pudding, you know. And then I wanted to also include, you know, ritual dishes from the tradition. You know, there's some Lakumi or Santeria recipes in there. There's some, you know, Haitian Vodou recipes in there. There's a little bit of everything, you know. These are actually kind of hard to find. Some of these recipes um, actually are hard to find. You'd think like, oh, they're just recipes. You can find them anywhere. But no, (laughs) no, actually, they're actually kind of hard to find recipes on what to cook for spirits. And if people don't know, in Voodoo, you make lots of food for the spirits a lot of the time. And in Santeria and, and... and New Orleans voodoo as well. We're always cooking for the spirits, it seems like. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, you have to cook for feasts. You have to cook for offerings. You have to cook for people who are coming for rituals and, and you know, things like that. And to me, I think it's one of the simplest, but also the most, you know, sublime forms of tribute because you're doing something that's really simple, but you can just, you know eat the food you know (laughs) it's not like you have to go through some complex process anybody who eats the food can share in the ashe and the joy of of the ceremony and the moment and what it is you're trying to accomplish and i think that that's what i really love about it because it's something that you know i can feed that to somebody who's two years old i can feed it to somebody who's 92 years old you know and they're both going to be able to have something affects them in a really deep way just by simply eating it and and that again like i said is one of the things i really love about it well and certainly i'm going to throw in there it's a very powerful form of magic whenever you actually imbibe something talismanic that's prepared in ritual space and prepared in a way that will actually affect your internal energies no, it's true. It's true. And I think, you know, you brought up a good point about, like, you can't find these recipes somewhere. And I think, like a lot of the traditions that I talk about in the cookbook, a lot of this was really secret knowledge, you know? I mean, it's even a stereotype because part of it is true. You know, it's hard to get the old recipes out of grandma. My grandmother used to, like, change something in each of her recipes when she would give it to the neighbors or something like that. So mm. you didn't have her authentic recipe, but you would have something that was kind of sort of like that, and it would taste good. You know, but she would only give us her real recipes, you know. So I think that that, in the same way, again, like you you couldn't necessarily tell everybody all your secrets. So that's one of the reasons. And there's there's definitely ritual cooks in in all the different traditions that we're talking about. So it is sacred knowledge that does not get handed out widely. And then today, a lot of people, you know, that's why I'm so glad to be on the show. A lot of people don't really value cooking. It's not something that everybody teaches their kids anymore. And, you know, my daughter went to culinary school. She went to Cornell, you know. um, Oh, wow. She said they would have cooking class and she was really the only one that was used to cooking. You know, they'd have this little setup that was like the reality show on the TV and they'd get ingredients and they have to make something. And they'd just look at her like, well, what can we make? And she's like, um, well, make this and this and this and this. You know, so even people who are professionals don't necessarily grow up knowing how to cook a whole bunch of different things. No, but, you know, it's, it's really nice to see 
information being put out by somebody who knows traditional information in the wonderful world of today's internet where everyone's an expert there's so much disinformation available no of course you know and like i said i grew up cooking i grew up with my grandmother's teaching me how to cook you know and things like that and then there were also things like i mentioned when my daughter went to cornell there were things she would come home with that was just so totally baffling to me like oh this is how you cook an onion which to me you know i had been cooking for 30 years at that point i'm like i know how to cut an onion and she showed me a new way to cut an onion so it was like sweet there's definitely things that you can learn no matter what no matter how long been cooking which i think again is one of the really beautiful things about it i find it it's kind of funny because jason often makes fun of me because one of my hobbies is cooking and he's like oh come on dude and then he eats the food and he's like but it's really good and then when we bless it it's like it is really powerful i don't so, I'm, I'm just going to clarify i don't really make fun of him because i get kind of excited when he cooks <laughs> he makes a hell of an etouffee see nice I guess, uh, nice. if, if fate was a little different, uh, I would probably live in New Orleans. So that's how it is. I got the whole voodoo no, background, I and I love the food. Actually, it's a funny story. It's like the week before I was supposed to move to New Orleans, um, I just mm-hmm. got a premonition that I should go to Columbus, Ohio. And that was the week before the hurricane took the dikes wow. out and and i was like oh i guess maybe i shouldn't be in new orleans right now <laughs> oh yeah yeah but i tell yeah, you i'm grateful though because had different ideas yeah. had you wound up in new orleans not columbus ohio i never would have met you yep so lilith you're yeah. doing an, another series that i think is is really continuation of the book and you're going through all the tarot cards and linking them to the arcana and you might get down to the not arcana later there's 72 you know or or 78 depending or 80 depending on the deck Uh, but you're actually trying to take some of this idea of ritual stuff and walk through tarot which is also very interesting and how you can imbibe the energy through food yeah, well, it really it grew out of a project I was doing. I was working with the person who was actually one of the curators, and he wrote a book about uh, Antonin Artaud and his artworks. And, you know, Artaud was fascinated with the tarot, so I came up with uh, Tarot of Cruelty that was based on Artaud's work. And what it really was was a sort of a sensorium, so you could experience, you know, the same way Artaud's work was, was supposed to experience everything. For those who are not familiar with it, you know, he would run around during the play. There's one called Spurt of Blood, where he would, like, squirt blood on everybody. <laughs> oh. like so it was really extreme. It was ritual theater in the extreme, so you would really understand what was going on on a visceral level. So I wanted to go through, since he was, you know, obsessed with the Tao, I wanted to go through the major arcana at least and think of things that were, okay, you know, what's going to give me the true essence of this card? You know, yes, with words, also with pictures, but with things like crystals and aromatherapy and foods and drinks and musical notes and things like that. So that if somebody was, 
you know, again, if somebody was two years old, they can still understand what it feels like to hold a rose quartz crystal or to eat a chocolate covered strawberry or something like that. You know, they don't have to have this great heady knowledge, but they can still experience it. And it sort of grew out of that, you know, and I started thinking about it and, you know, I was thinking about, oh, what about, you know, tarot every which way, literally, you know, so we started off with food because that's what I think, again, is one of the deepest and also the simplest things people can do to connect to the cards and really understand what the cards are trying to tell them and what it means to them. So it's a lot of fun. Have you had like big parties where you invited people over and said, this is an emperor party, maybe not emperor, but this is a magician party and here's your coffee because I, I watched that video, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that when I was on the road. I had to do that one, like, in the restaurant. I was like, that's great. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. That's... But um, we did do, I was, we were always planning to do it as, like, a big dinner party, you know, and I wanted to do a full range of cocktails, you know, in addition to the actual foods for the card. But we haven't done that yet. But I did do it at, there's a place in New York that I teach called Tarot Society. It's also a gallery, and they do workshops there and stuff. And, you know, we did it there, and we had you know, a tasting menu of, I think, about maybe seven or eight different cards with everybody there. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So did you yeah. notice, like, when you did it, did, did people's behavior start shifting because they were, because you made the food with intention? Yeah, I think it did. I think it really, you know, again, we started out with a fool recipe, which I did the deviled eggs, which is covered in the YouTube videos. And, you know, that really gave people a sense of like, we're going to open things up. We're going to, you know, open up to possibility. And it was fantastic because the person, you know, one of the people who runs it was there. Um, and then also one of my friends who's been a reader for a long time, she was there and there were a couple of new people there. So it was like people from all different levels, like I'm saying, you know, somebody who just picked up a deck last week and someone who'd been reading for, you know, decades. So it was nice to be able to share that and share our own experiences over the food. So it really was a beautiful thing. You know, it's one of those things where I thought it was going to be much shorter than it was because we, you know, didn't have all the food there to eat and it was, it lasted way longer than I thought. So that was nice. I like, that. <laughs> I like it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But I still do want to do it. I'm working with some friends of mine, um, in Pittsburgh, they have a gallery and a, a cult store that's opening over Salon, I believe. And we're going to do it there as a full gallery show with, like, each of the cards that I created. And we're going to have a tasting as you can walk through, like, each of the cards and stuff. So that'll be fun. That would be awesome. That's not too far from Cleveland. We might have to come out for that because that's right here. That's only yeah, three yeah. hours away from me. That's another, like, not like New York City where it's like, okay, that's like 12 hours from here. I got to think about coming out there. Yeah, it is. But uh, Pittsburgh. It is. It's far. Pittsburgh, three hours. Yeah, we can, yeah. We can do that. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I'm going to do the workshop and have the gallery show, hopefully. And, you know, things will go well. So. But yeah, I'm always open to it. If anybody else wants to call me up and have me do it there, I'm open to do it anywhere, really. Like, there you go. That's nice. what I wanted to do to start with. I wanted to do, like, you know, dinner with a witch, where I would just go to somebody's house and cook them a witchy dinner, and then we would just talk, you know, like somebody like you folks or, you know, whatever, other author friends that I know. I was like, that would be really interesting, you know? Sounds you like know, a that would just be really interesting to just... <laughs> I, that would be really interesting to just get a whole bunch of like authors who are somewhat cool together and just have an audience and like that's yeah. blacked out 
Like literally, they're just blacked out, and everyone's just eating and drinking, and everyone starts talking. Yeah. Whatever. And actually, yeah. you, I think people would be shocked how much they would learn once you get out authors of alcohol or, or lots of coffee. One of the two. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a different conversation when you know there there isn't. You know, it's not a workshop setting or you know something else like that where people are just relaxed and hanging out. Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah, yeah. But that was my original idea. So that would be I'm awesome. That. So you anyone should wants to call me and have me over to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody call her so we can have this happen at, a, at the festival. We just have right. a, a huge, a huge dinner table, and everyone just starts chatting, and you know, have it broadcast to the audience in in the back with speakers. Make Somehow. a little special. Yeah, yeah. Make a little special video out of it. Dinner at Lilith's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think it would be good. I think it would be good. You know, I would be up for that completely. You know, because I, I mean, I do a lot of things, obviously, but it's always a little hard for me to be, you know, I went to documentary shows, but it's always a little hard for me to be the one, like, alone behind the camera. I would much rather have other people, and you know, like I do on the blog, interview people and stuff like that. You know, it's much more fun, obviously, to be interacting with other people. Yeah, it makes it a little easier. When you're standing alone, mm-hmm. you have to actually prepare and think about what you say. Mostly think about what not to say, uh, and there's it just doesn't right. flow. You can make it flow, but it's like you're flowing with imaginary listeners, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm always one of these people that's, I, I don't make small connections because I'm always leaping all over the place in there. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me when I'm by myself to realize, okay, maybe people don't understand when I'm talking about, you know, the theater of cruelty and squirting blood on people and making this recipe. Like, you know, to me, it makes sense because <laughs> I'm aware <laughs> of the history of what happened and what went on and things like that. But to other people, not so much sometimes. So when you were going through this, what was your favorite tarot card so far to make the meals for? Well, it's funny. I have so many recipes. I've got a lot of spiritual guide kids, you know what I mean? And I'll make something new and they'll be like, we need to call this crack because I can't stop eating it. Almost all the recipes, you know, like <laughs> at one time or another have been nicknamed crack in my house <laughs> because they were just so good. But I really like the way the, um, the emperor card turned out you know i didn't call it crack but it's uh maple bacon on crescent rolls which is really that's some stuff right there you can't stop eating that you know but i i thought it really again to sort of typified i was i was thinking for a minute i was like okay what would be a fun thing to make for the emperor and it's just like bacon you know <laughs> like that's the thing I, i'm sorry if i'm offending any vegetarians but you know bacon really has this kind of totemic kind of power to it and I thought, like, that's great, you know, and I wanted to have a recipe that just was really, you know, addition, simple, but also really powerful. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I think, I think you're right about the bacon being kind of this kind of special food in a way that just has it its is. own special mythology. And who would have thought pig, who would have thought pig's butt could taste so good? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Definitely. Fried Definitely. pig. Definitely. Yeah. So that's my favorite. Yes, that's my favorite to actually eat. Like if I I made that for the show, and I just was like, okay, it was gone. It was gone before the next morning. I was just like, oh, 
there it goes, you know. But And I really liked the one I did for the Empress. Again, that's one of my favorite recipes. We almost, you know, I'm a daughter of Oshun, so we almost always make that for Oshun Feast and for other things like that. It's, um, you know, well, for a while we were calling them Foxy Cleopatra, <laughs> which I think is perfect for the Empress part. You know, but because I think originally it was based on a recipe called pumpkin balls, which doesn't sound very exciting at all. But it's uh, <laughs> pumpkin balls with balsamic creme fraiche. So the balsamic creme fraiche really does it. You know, just oh, the wow. fact that you've got whipped cream and sour cream with like this little tinge of balsamic vinegar. It's really Ooh. good. You know, and the pumpkin. They're basically just like pumpkin meatballs. You know, you make them like you make a meatball. And then I'm definitely a balsamic fan. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's good. It just really balances it all out together. And it's got a lot of sage in it, too, which, I, you know, if you have any listeners that are, you know, used to using smudge sticks and things like that, I feel like sage has become, you know, way, way, way popular these days for cleansing. Yeah, yeah. that's That's been going on for a while. Everyone seems to use uh, yeah. lots of sage. So why don't you yes. take us through that recipe? Because yes. you gave us some hints. So people can get a sense of what's on, on the video. You gave us some hints with the pumpkin balls. So I know I got pumpkin and sage, balsamic memory, sour cream, and whipped cream so far. Yeah, yeah. So then, you, like I said, you make them like you make a meatball. I've tried to do it. You know, one of my uh, goddaughters is gluten-free. I mean, she doesn't have celiac, but it's pretty close. She gets sick if she eats any gluten. So we tried to make it with the gluten-free breadcrumbs. And it doesn't hold together as well. You know, I think you might have better luck if you took actual gluten-free bread and made breadcrumbs out of that instead of just buying the ready-made gluten-free breadcrumbs. But so you, the same way you would do it, like, so you've got a cup of pumpkin, which ironically, most of the time, you know, when you buy it in a can, it's Hubbard squash. That's my fun fact for tonight. You know, like they, legally they can sell Hubbard squash as pumpkin. So as a daughter of Oshun, you know, there's a difference to me between a Hubbard squash and a pumpkin, but whatever. I get you. <laughs> you need I about get a you. cup of pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a half a cup of breadcrumbs, you know, an egg to hold it all together. Um, it also has the, the fried sage in it. So, you know, you fry up some sage leaves and a little bit of olive oil until they get crispy and then take them out and you mix everything together like crazy in the, you know, if you have a food processor, that's great. Or, you know, a blender or something like that. It has to really get all mixed up together. And then you just form it and shape it like you would a regular, you know, meatball. You make little round balls out of it. You know, if you want to use other herbs that are, I think in the recipe that I give, I use other herbs that are specific. You know, I use a lot of parsley, which for us, that's one of those things that, you know, you can charge it with the energy of each one of the Orisha. That's what they do. Um, basil I use for protection and healing and keeping away any negativity. So that's really good. Same deal for garlic is traditional for keeping away negativity. So I'm, you know, I'm part Sicilian, so I cook with a lot of garlic anyway. <laughs> I think it's good for things. But again, it's something that comes, you know, in Santo cooking, they use a lot of garlic, ajo macho, because it gives, you know, power and strength to the recipe. So that's in there. Onions, I usually use red onions because they're a little bit sweeter. You can put that in the mixture too. So just, you know, use your best intuition. Some people like a lot of onions. Some people like a lot of garlic. You know, it's not going to be as flavorful as meat because you're just using pumpkin. So you kind of want to go a little teeny bit heavier on the spices than you would if you were just making a regular meatball. And then you cook it in the oven for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on 350 until they start to get brown. And the balsamic is just equal parts of, you know, whipped heavy cream and sour cream. And then you put in, you know, 
either a dash or a heavy dash of balsamic vinegar and let it sit in the refrigerator for a while. Oh, yes. Heavy and dash the balsamic. If you don't want to eat it, you know, <laughs> like, again, like I said, it's one of the things we usually make for feasts because you can make it, you know, a day ahead or something and it's just going to get better. All the flavors are just going to soak in and it's going to mm-hmm. taste better that next day. Yeah. Awesome. So do you think that, because uh, we are talking about ritual and we are talking about food, do you think that the learning and preparation of the meals is a lot like some of the preparation for when you do conjure or spell work where you have all these ingredients and they're separate ingredients, but then you're making something new. You think that's it's a good way to think about the cooking in that way? Definitely, and I think a recipe is a spell. Even you know, they're the same thing to me. You know, you're putting together a set of ingredients. If it's a spell or a recipe that you've done a hundred times, then maybe you know that you could substitute, you know, a little bit of garlic powder if you were out of onion powder or something like that. But if it's the first time you've made it, do not substitute things or vary from the instructions because chances are you're going to come up with something that really is not what it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, my, my cautionary life tale for that was I was doing a, a ritual cooking class once and this woman, we do a Yemaya coconut rice, which is in the cookbook. And I was like, well, who wants to make the rice? And this is a really simple recipe. You just use, you know, coconut milk for half of the water in, in when you cook rice and you put in, you know, we don't put in salt because salt is usually for banishing and things like that. So if somebody's going to eat it later and they want salt in it, they can put salt in that. So you just put, you know, the the regular water you would put in with the rice, you put in the rice, and then you cook it like you would cook rice. It's, it's not rocket science. It's a very simple recipe. So this woman goes to cook it. She's like, oh, I'll cook the rice. And she runs up, and she's cooking the rice. And I'm giving the rest of the workshop, and we're making five or six other dishes or something. you know. And I'm watching her, and the whole time she's poking at this rice. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, you know... <laughs> And anybody who's made rice knows you don't poke at rice, but you leave rice, you leave it alone. <laughs> you just cover it, you leave it alone. Like so, we had we could we couldn't eat what she had made by the time the, it was supposed to be ready. Like oh. she had made something that was just terrible. And I looked at her husband, and I was like. I, what was she doing? I thought she knew what she was doing. He's like, no, she's never made rice before in her entire life. Oh, wow. Spirit moved her and she thought this was what she was supposed to do. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, so that's my point about it. if you don't, you know, if you're not sure how it's going to go, like that's not the time to decide, oh, it's okay. I don't have any bay leaves. I'll just use basil. They both begin with B. You know, no, that's not how it works, you know, in magic or cooking because you could end up with something that you can't even eat or, you know, like literally, mm-hmm. or literally physically, spiritually, all of that. You can't eat it because you've made something that's just, just my friend calls me every week and he goes, that's not how any of this works. Like that's our weekly but that's what I feel like because, you know, people want to think that it has to do with, oh, well, I have these ingredients and maybe this would make a great spell, you know. But there's a reason, you know, that ingredients are the ingredients that they are. You know, I remember I interviewed Carlos Montenegro, who wrote a lot of uh, Santeria books back in the day. He's passed now, but he said when he first started writing, you know, he was writing for original and they wanted him to change the ingredients in his his spells to things that they were selling in the Botanica. And 
he said he wasn't going to do that. These were recipes from his, you know, this is a third generation Santero. These were recipes that went back, you know, decades. He wasn't going to change that. It had to be what it was for a reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really mm. nice man. Definitely, definitely glad, glad you brought up the whole idea of keep the salt out of the cooking when you're presenting it to the spirits. Yeah, yeah, I've had people argue with me about that, but I just think they're nuts because, you know, you don't, that's, you have salt for banishing. It's not, you don't salt food that you're leaving down to the spirits. You know, if you're going to uh, eat it, salt it is, afterwards. Yeah, this is really a weirdly contentious points in occult circles and even ATR circles that I don't, I don't really get either because the salt was something I was always taught not to, not to give the spirit salt. Yeah. Yeah, like, definitely. People will argue the definitely. point. Even people who are like initiated will argue the point. Uh, and you kind of don't know what to say because, you know, it's, it's, it's yet, a weird one. <clears throat> yet it's funny because it <clears throat> there's plenty of examples of people using salt to keep spirits at bay. So <laughs> it just yeah, seems it like makes, common sense. It makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's one of those things too. You know, that's why I... I like doing things with the cooking because everything's going to be different for each individual person. And especially in the ATRs, everything's different for each house. So if in their house they salt it, then, you know, that's what they grew up, up knowing. You know, I was doing the ritual cooking workshop. Um, I have a special like aphrodisiac version of it. I was doing that in New Orleans and they picked me up at the airport and the cab driver was like, what are you doing? I'm doing, well, I'm doing my, you know, ritual aphrodisiac cooking workshop. And he was like, do you have peanuts in there? I put peanuts in there. That gets my wife hot. It gets me hot. Like, I love peanuts. Like, he's just crazy about peanuts. Wow. <laughs> nice. Whoa. He had, like, a nice. peanut pie or something he would make for her when it was date night. He was trying to give me the recipe. It was hilarious. But all I could think of is there's so many people out there who are, like, deathly allergic to peanuts. You know, oh, like for this yeah. guy, peanuts was the best thing in the world, you know, but other people, they can't even go somewhere if somebody ate peanuts, you know, an hour before. So right. it's, everything's going to be different for people. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that uh, people don't really don't understand about themselves. And I think about magic in general, that it's going to be different for each person. I definitely agree with that one that, you know, people think that everything works I mean, it's kind of the opposite side of just do the recipes by the book. It's like, well, yes, at first, but then you have to realize it might not work for you. Um, sure. Because you have to actually keep notes and make, like, practice and try stuff out multiple times, not just once. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and I rely heavily on divination, you know, with cooking, with spell work. You know, I'll get out the dowsing rods or the pendulum and, you know, is this what's supposed to be in this particular spell for this moment? Because maybe it's not going to work. You know, maybe it's not going to work for me. Maybe it's not going to work for the situation. All of these things, you know, are really important and we have to check that. And to me, it's easier to just, okay, grab a pendulum or some dowsing rods and check ahead of time than to go and bother to do the whole thing and then have it be unsuccessful. So let, let me ask you this, because I know that there's a lot of people that use pendulums, a lot of people that use dowsing rods. Let's let's talk a little bit about your perspective on those divination devices. Like, are you working with any particular spirits when you use them, or what's your methodology with them? Well, I usually, you know, go to whatever spirit or ancestor I think relates 
to the situation at hand. You know, um, let's, for example, if you were doing something that was a justice working. So for me, you know, my grandfather was an attorney. He was the state liquor commissioner for New York for a while before he got arrested. But that's a whole other story. But anyway. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's very interesting. But um, so if I have an issue that's a justice issue or a legal thing that I would have gone to him with when I was alive, you know, I still turn to him, you know, now that he's passed and I will ask his, you know, energy and advice through the pendulum if that's what I'm working on now, you know, or alternatively, I work a lot with Mama Mbrigi, which, you know, some people is controversial because, you know, she's a more, I would say, I think a newer deity in some ways. She's much bigger in New Orleans than she is in Haiti. Some people say sure. she doesn't even exist there. But that's a whole other discussion. But I'm just putting that out there before somebody goes, oh, well, Lil said this. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, we work a lot with Marmar Brigitte, which has to do with justice, especially something I feel very passionately about, you know, like justice for people who are marginalized or oppressed, justice, you know, this kind of a lot of the Black Lives Matter situation that we're seeing come up, I think definitely fall under the umbrella of Mama Brigitte. So, you know, when I do a, a justice or protection spell using that, then I'll use Mama Brigitte's energy, maybe draw her baby, maybe light a candle for her and try and ask for her guidance in the situation. That's very cool. You, you've taken flack for working with Mama Brigitte? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of who shall remain nameless people who say that Mama Mbrigitte really doesn't have much of a place in voodoo, which I don't think is true at all. I don't know. I, I know. saw her stuff all over Jack Mel when I was in Haiti, so I don't uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's telling. But, of course, today's yeah. world, everyone's an expert, right? No, of course. Everyone's an expert, and I feel like everybody's a hater, too. You know what I mean? Like, I've always done my best to be respectful about people's traditions and their opinions, you know, and, and I'm a priestess, but I'm also an anthropologist, so I understand and also have a scholarly approach to these things, you know. I'm not just going at it like, oh, I did this once, and this is 100% truth, you know. I study it, and I practice it. Nice. Well, one of the things I, I think that raises an interesting kind of point and it's not quite about the food but it does relate to the food right uh, one of the ways that I think people interact the best is through the, through food because it gets gets around all these issues usually people sit down for a meal but really like the idea that you know with the haters it's we're not sitting down for meals as often we're we're not uh, interacting in a personal way. It's easy to hate on people from the internet, but it's it's really hard to do that in person. <laughs> no, it's true. I definitely feel like we've lost a lot of the, you know, coming together and intimacy in some of these communities, and it's very difficult, you know, to really to really know somebody if you don't know them. I, you know, <laughs> I know that sounds like redundant, but it's the truth, you know. Like, we, we don't have the same kind of communities. It, it used to be that you would go and, you know, would, you would live in the community where you were worshiping, and that's not the case anymore. You know, all of my spiritual houses are, are very far away from where I live. And, you know, sometimes people call me and they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't have anybody to study with. And I'm like, well, you may need to travel because right now that's, that's just the truth of the matter for a lot of us. You know, you're talking about going to Haiti. I mean, people need to travel these days. So, 
Out of all the meals that you had, what was the favorite, the f- best one, the best story of a meal that you made that just when people ate it and everything just clicked and you, it was just really one of those extraordinary experiences. Do you have a story like that? I'm like, oh, that sounds really great. Um, <laughs> I think the closest story I have to that, I mean, this was originally one of the reasons I started it, the correspondence between the food and the tarot was a woman had come to me for a reading and she had a special needs son that was um, getting very violent. He was a teenager and, you know, she was having trouble like, just keeping him calm. And the reading had really showed up that, you know, there was a lot of this energy that she needed to bring to him and she didn't know how to get it to him. So what we did was cook, I mentioned the coconut rice, we cooked the coconut rice for Yemaya and for Obatala and, you know, she fed that to him and it was a lot easier for him to remain calm and get through his, you know, activities for daily living and, you know, get dressed and things like that. I mean, he had knocked out her teeth. That's why she came to the reading to begin oh, with wow. because she really was having trouble, like, you know, even just, again, the simplest thing with him and you know it was really sad for me as a mom and as also you know somebody who wanted to be able to give her something concrete that she could do to help him so that i think was very special for me that she could do that and that that's what happened in that situation and his be and he actually got better obviously lusty meals too like what (laughs) what'd you say he actually got better too right he did. He did. I mean, you know, I don't know how long it lasted, but, you know, but the reports I got a couple of months later was that, you know, he had been much calmer, you know, when she made the ritual rice, when she incorporated into his diet and things like that. Well, it's really good to see some real world results going on there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> the topic when dealing with one's children and mental health and all that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard. You know, you love your children, but, you know, in that situation where he was violent, it was very difficult for her, you know. So I, I was glad I could help and do something, you know. And it, like I said, there's also a ton of, like, lusty times where it worked, where there were erotic recipes that I made for, you know, or had other people make for their partners or people they were interested in. That's, that's an easy one. <laughs> that you one's know, easy. A, that, a long that... history of aphrodisiac. That look, one look, works look. a lot of the time, right? No, see, now Jason wants to. He yeah, wants I was to just, know. Just gonna say, let's let's talk about this more because this is something that you know all the listeners are perking up and getting excited. You know, <laughs> um, that was so, like so totally how, a double a play on words there. Right. So, what do we put in the food to perk up and get excited, ma'am? Right. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of talking about Oshun, you know, and even science has proved now that like all those pumpkin pie spices are the same kinds of, you know, they activate the same chemicals in the brain as when we fall in love. So, you know, for those of us who were Oshun, we knew that ahead of time, that these were the spices that people used for love and activated love in your mind and your body and your soul, you know. So the cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, ginger, all of those ones are really good for you know, passionate love and romance and things like that. Now, is there any use of the, uh, (laughs) I, I know one of the cliches that have gone around. I I just don't know if it would be a part of your tradition would be like, I've heard things about shellfish. Yeah, I did. uh, I mean, I have a love magic book called love magic. 
And there's a lot of recipes in there, and there's um, a lot of things that have to do with traditional aphrodisiacs. And one of the things, you know, shellfish, oysters, those kinds of things, they raise the zinc in the body, and, and zinc is definitely, you know, again, good for the reproductive system, both for males uh, and females. So yes. a lot of the recipes we have are like that. And then a lot of the aphrodisiacs, too, are things that look like male or female parts. Which, here's my funny story about that. I was doing the YouTube video for the Love Magic book, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I just did, like, this, all these shots with, like, oh, here's me with an eggplant, and here's me with a pomegranate between my legs. I mean, I had my clothes on. <laughs> and I just, so, but my, I had to have a little bit of a, um, you know, discussion, quote, unquote, with my publisher because they really weren't sure that it was okay for me to have a pomegranate between my legs. But that was like, it's a pomegranate, and I have my clothes on. Like, what's happening? <laughs> what's this happening is like, why is this a problem? You know? I so, know. I was, I was like, I'm holding a banana. Like, what? <laughs> I'm holding it. <laughs> Just my hand and a banana. Like, come on. <laughs> but, but that kind of gets to the point, right? I mean, like, I mean, you're talking about love magic. Literally, love magic, and you're a child yeah. of a goon, and somebody's trying to say, well, let's not talk about love magic so intensely, shall we? That's kind of like... Yes, yes. Like, like this is a little too much for us because, uh, you know, because it, it suggests things that adults should be able to handle, but maybe we can't. No, it's very true. It's very true. You know, I just thought to me, it seems very like G-rated. I think really, I mean, come on, I'm just holding a piece of fruit, you know, but that it was, I guess, you know, and again, they let me put it in. It made it in the final cut, you know, but it, it, I did have to, you know, talk to some people first, which sure. I just think is hilarious. I'm just like, I can't, I, I, I honestly thought I was being punked. I was like, this you, I can't have a banana in the video like because I asked them I said okay I'm gonna make a video they're like well is there any restrictions on what I should do you know because I went to film school this could we could really I could have been really offensive you know so I was just like let me just check and see if it's just supposed to be you know oh I'm sitting there reading the recipes from the book you know like does it have to be that or can I be more creative and they're like sure be creative that's great I'm like okay but they didn't mean you know. it Guess not. Guess not. <clears throat> but like I said, I was. It was okay in the end. I made it okay in the end. We're all good. I won out in the end. Me and my pomegranate and my <laughs> eggplant and my banana. We made it in the final cut. Yeah, yeah. So. It's funny I'm, there for a while. I've seen some of your YouTube videos already, and I don't. I don't think you've done the the tower card yet, have you? No, no. I'm only up to Wheel of Fortune. That's I'm just, where we are so far. So. I understand yeah. I'm saying this all in good fun, but uh, but should we be concerned when it comes around to eating the food of the tower card? It's true. that would That's going to be a hard one. You know, like I, there's a couple of things I've done in the past for it. I don't know what I'm going to necessarily do for the video because I've been trying to do quicker, you know, just for practical reasons. You know, I don't want to be sitting there for an hour talking to you. <laughs> 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 well, I think it would be boring for people to watch me just sitting there talking to myself for an hour, you know. So, um, 
So, yeah, I think you would be worried about the tower. But I think there's certainly times for anybody who's done readings, there's certainly times where, you know, you'll get the tower over and over again or you'll have a difficult situation and the tower will keep coming back and you'll really mm-hmm. want to understand what it is the tower is saying to you at that moment. So I think that, you know, but somebody was saying it should be black licorice. You know, I think that <laughs> there's certainly um, things that do evoke that kind of energy, you know, that we do eat sometimes. Okay. You know? the, I think one of the things is like with the, the tower card that's interesting is, uh, yes, it may suck for not too long given the tower card, but afterwards – that situation that was troubling you for so long, it's going to go away or it does go away in yeah. the process of tower falls. So it's kind of like yeah. you could have pain for a long period of time or you could just tower card it and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. No, it's too, it is a drastic change. It is a drastic change, you know? So I think that there's a lot of ways to process that and it happens, you know, there's all those different cards for a reason. They, they come into our lives and our existence, and, and we need to know how to understand them and deal with them. Now, I'm definitely one, and I think Andrea would agree here, that uh, <clears throat> some of us don't mind working with the dead and death energy and that kind of thing. We kind of enjoy it, actually. But uh, what about the death card? You know, I don't. I have the same kind of feelings for the death part. It's like necessary transformation. If nothing ever died, it would be horrible. You know, like that's just not how things are. That's not. That's not how any of this works. You know, things have to die in order for things to be reborn. It's part of the natural process. And to me, in a lot of ways, that is a necessary transformation and a welcome one because if something is really stuck. The same way, like you just said about the tower card. If something is really stuck, you need that to end. You need that to die and transform into something else. I can't imagine what a food dish... I can imagine maybe some tower dishes. Uh, but I can't imagine what a a death dish would look like. Or taste like. I mean, I know there's food for the dead. You know, that you can give them, but... <laughs> I can't imagine what would, what type of food would actually evoke death. Tower, I, I could, I could picture something in my mind that would be. I mean, I've done in the past. I've done things like death by chocolate. You know what I mean? Things that are just too much. I think ah. I did one uh, absinthe drink once. For, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, it's like also it also whiskey cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially absinthe, it, it kind of gets you more screwed up than you'd expect. Yeah, you're transformed. You know what I mean? I think that in a lot of ways that that's where that green fairy takes you, you know, to a different place, which is what we're saying. You know, you're in a different place after that. And it's not as much as people think. Like, you don't have to drink much absinthe to be really screwed up. No. No, not not at all. <laughs> I think that's I that's something I'd recommend you, you. You have a nice drink of absinthe and you sit back and you relax in a quiet environment and contemplate. Yeah, that sounds good. I like that. I think the last time I had absinthe, I was in New Orleans at the Pirate Bar. Oh, nice. At, where, when they served absinthe at that Pirate Bar. 
I'm probably yeah, dating yeah. myself <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yes, yeah, absence is definitely a game changer. You know what I mean? I was thinking of there's a friend of mine who had uh, ended up getting pregnant with twins after an absence night, and uh, they decorated the nursery with green fairies, which I thought was the best idea ever. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had a good time in the night, and I had a good time after. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Absence is a game changer. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Again, who see, Who knows what I'll do when I get there in the video thing. Like, It's been fun because I've been, you know, coming up with variations and different recipes and stuff like that from the traditional things that I did, you know. Because the traditional things I did with the first deck were just very simple. It was just like, an orange or, you know, like it wasn't full recipes. It was just the food that you could eat. Mm. And now I'm coming up with like a full like set of recipes that I'm actually making. So that's a lot of fun. Very cool. It's fun to watch. I really, yeah. really think people should go check it out on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, I've, I've I appreciate watched, that. <laughs> I've watched a couple of the videos and actually they're not just the recipes. It's actually you're going through a lot of the correspondences for the card and combining them in, in the, when you're talking about it. So it's, it's not just like, here you go, here's the recipe for this. It's really kind of intense because you're, as you're cooking, well, the last video I saw, especially after you, as you're cooking fried chicken for the emperor, you're basically giving lots and lots and lots of details about this and uh, about what it means. It might have not been Emperor. That might have been Judgment or Strength. Uh, it was Strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And No, it was. I wanted to give background for the cards. You know, like I said, it, it was going to take me a while to make these recipes. And I was going to need to say something more than just like, here's the ingredients. Here's how you mix it together. So I thought it gave me a really good way to, you know connect the two things that I could talk about what it was that, you know, the imagery that's in the tarot cards that, you know, that's one of the things, you know, I'm, you mentioned you guys love Lewis and I love Lewis. And that's one of the things I love about the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot that it gives you a uh, meditation for each of it. You know what I mean? There's yeah, this, yeah. Yes. There's an intellectual way to understand this card. And then there's also words that are meditative for it. You know, um, I'm also a real lover of Hodorowski. I got to shake his hand. I'm so proud. And, um, <laughs> You know, I love the way his imagery for the tarot just, again, it goes every which way. It goes like, you know, here's the image for it. Here's the song for it. Here's the words for it. Here's the meditation for it. You know, here's the feeling that you have when you see this card, you know, and that's one of the beauty of this thing, I think. So what things do you have coming up? Because you actually do do a lot of things. <laughs> in different events and what things you have coming up and you kind of hinted it to the listeners that there's not just going to be a video series on the tarot and food and arcana connection but you're looking at some other projects too that you you, you did hint at kind of yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mentioned, you know, coming up on September 30th, I'm going to be at New York City Pagan Pride, and that's going to be beautiful. We're going to be doing a ritual, and I'm going to be doing a workshop, and 
That's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited about that. And then I'm going to be in Sleepy Hollow this year for the Festival of Witches. I'm really excited about that. I love that place. You know, talk about a place with the dead. Sleepy Hollow oh, wow. is definitely a place with the dead. So um, I'm going to be there in October. So that's beautiful. I'm giving a couple of workshops and doing readings and things like that so people can find me there. And then, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, sometime before the end of the year in Pittsburgh, to do these tarot cards as a gallery show and a workshop so people can like look at them. And because I did whole collages that were based on each of the cards. And again, there's a meditation for each one and a scent and a food. And I really want to, you know, be able to have the space to set that up. And some friends have offered that up for me, you know, but his mother just passed this week, unfortunately. So we don't have an exact date for that, but I'm hoping it will happen before the end of the year. But people can just check my website, lilithdorsey.com. There's an upcoming event section and that talks about everything that I'm doing that's coming up and stuff like that. No, oh, definitely our condolences there on the loss of his mother. Yeah, yeah, it was a sad thing. It was a sad thing. He's a, I think, third generation witch. So, you know, the witch community, you know, definitely took a blow. Well, it was great to have you on. We're like almost at the hour mark again. It always goes this way. We talk and make the hour go away. But thanks for coming on. We'd love to have you come back and I'm going to be using some of these recipes in my personal hobby of cooking. Fantastic. That's great. I would love to come back. This is so much fun. You know, I was listening to you and I was like, I want to go on there. So I'm so glad to be on here now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. No, 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 no. We were, <laughs> we're always trying to reach back out because I uh, was, have been doing an MBA for a couple of years. So I, I've been hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Once you go to grad school, you start, you start hiding. And this is my second grad. I understand. I went to grad school. Hell yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. It's my second graduate degree. So, like, and now I am have a family, and that's different than the first time. Yeah. And I didn't hide as much the first time, but now that I have a family the second time, I hide a lot more because mm. all the time goes to I see my family. I understand completely. Yep. People just don't know. Yes. If you have never done a graduate degree, you don't know. It's true. It's true. It does something to your brain. <laughs> yeah, it does. It yeah. shakes things up. And when you have to reorganize your priorities to work full time and go to school and then spend time with your family, you're like, why did I do this again? What was I thinking? Yeah. But yeah, we would love to have yeah. you back. And, and oh, thank you. there's a lot of things we didn't get to talk about today that you, you've when we said you do a lot of voodoo stuff, I wasn't kidding. Uh, Lilith has a blog all about voodoo on Pathos, and she really is one of the probably most known uh, voodoo, New Orleans voodoo practitioners in New York City, I'd say. I, I wouldn't say that's that lightly. I would say that's true, especially since now they're having to go to Pagan Pride and do a ritual. You know that it's true. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I try. And like I said, I've been around a while, so I hope people at least know who I am. But yeah, the blog, Voodoo Universe, we've got, what, 493 posts so far. Like, like that's a lot of stuff. I wrote a lot of stuff up there, you know. That's as awesome. As far as this is concerned, there's a ton of recipes up there, so if you want to go there and find more recipes, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank everyone for listening, and I especially 
although I haven't heard from him lately. Want to thank the Luminists for his music that we end and begin every show with. So thanks again, man. Have a good night. And this is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. <laughs>